coming up on today's episode of the Positivity Platform. I am a proud queer woman, and that's something that isn't readily accepted in the Polynesian culture. Through the sharing of your stories, you do find healing. You know, I'm all about better than fine. You know, who wants to just be fine? I am the happiest I've ever been. Welcome to the Positivity Platform. We're your hosts, Erica and Evelyn. Join us for weekly chats that unpack life's experiences and forge pathways to positivity. Welcome to the Positivity Platform. This is episode nine. That's right. It's time to hop in the golf cart with our weekly golf cart chat. You know what? This week was exciting. Uh, what I'm going to talk about today is we have so many fun events coming up this year. One in particular is my son is graduating from college in Las Vegas. And so we're just making the celebration arrangements. So booking mm-hmm. flights, me and my oldest daughter started planning and we decided, you know what? Why don't we do the whole Vegas experience? So we ended up booking uh, at the Venetian. Are you going to make Vegas. it to the graduation, Evelyn? Because <laughs> a lot could go wrong there. I'm just saying. <laughs> I know. We'll have to keep that in mind. Well, the good news is, is that we arrive just a day, two days before the graduation, but then the other days are on the tail end. So after the graduation, okay, but well, then that works. <laughs> it's going to be so fun because Vegas has changed so much from when I was in college, you know, and the last few times that I've gone to visit the strip, it just seems different to me. I can see some parts are worn out or worn down. And then now they have these beautiful, more modern hotels mm-hmm. that initially I was thinking, oh, let's stay at the Aria or somewhere, uh, the Cosmopolitan, somewhere newer. But we came across a Venetian and because we're going as a whole family, there are a lot of us, we thought, wow, we can have the whole sh- Las Vegas Strip experience and never leave the resort. We'll definitely go across the street to watch the Bellagio water show. But because we have my grandson, who's only five, he's not allowed in the Bellagio. And I think the Bellagio started that when they first opened as because that's when Vegas started to get kid friendly. And they had Mm -hmm. like back the Excalibur went up, Circus Mm -hmm. Circus. And I think Bellagio capitalized on no kids allowed. So if you want a kid free experience, come stay here. So we checked and, you know. 25 years later, they still don't allow 18 and under in the hotel, but there's so much around it. And you can still watch the, I think the water show outside is what you want the Bellagio for. So that's going to be fun. And I'm excited. Well, you know, I'm also getting ready for a little bit of travel. I mentioned it previously, but it's actually here already. The time has just passed so quickly. So we we leave on Friday and we're Mm -hmm. going to Boston, Rhode Island, uh, Orlando, Florida, Pensacola, Florida, and Atlanta, Georgia, all before coming back. So we'll be gone for three weeks. Well, the interesting thing is because of the time of year, this poses a major packing challenge because there is going to be a temperature differential of about like 50 to 60 degrees 
It's Mm. only going to be in the 40s during the day in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, but then it's going to be in the mid 80s to 90 in Orlando. So Mm -hmm. we're, and you know, we're pretty big sticklers about like the one suitcase thing, but it's going to be a big suitcase. So um, one each, not one that we don't share. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Like one I was like, suitcase. No, 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 no. I think if, if he had it his way, Odie, that is, we would be sharing a suitcase, but no. But you mean, you mean a check-in piece, right? Yes, You're not talking about, oh, okay. Yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. One yes. checked bag. I can wear jeans, for example, in Rhode Island, and I have a couple of sweatshirts. I really don't have very many cold weather clothes. So I'll bring the few sweatshirts I have. And then I, my plan is, I think, just to layer. So wear the tank uh-huh. top and then wear maybe another tank top if I need to, and then a sweatshirt over top. And then I'll have the tank tops for Florida. But it's requiring a lot more planning than I've ever planned for, for travel. Mm -hmm. I've just never had that big of a temperature fluctuation. But I'm really looking forward to it. And we're going to have the the snow experience up there and then the bright sun that we have here in Hawaii, also in Orlando. And so Mm -hmm. um, we won't be able to golf while we're in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. But we'll golf for one day or so while we're in Florida. And then, of course, we'll go to Pensacola uh, to spend a little bit of time with my sister as she approaches her last days here. So it's going to be a great trip. We're looking forward to it. I'm thankful for the ability to take this time. And it just so happens to coincide with our break that we're going to be taking at the Uh end of season one here before moving into season two. So yeah, I'm I'm just going to unplug, I guess, if you will, in a sense, Uh and really try to take in all of the moments of travel. I don't know about you, but I'm generally not a picture taker. I think I'm very much in the moment when I go places. And so I'm going to try this time to take some more photos, especially because we're going to be seeing family every place we go. And as I've come to realize over the past weeks, you know, you, you're just not promised another day. So I want to embrace the idea of really taking time to take some photos and have those sort of more lasting memories. But I also tend to be somebody that really tries to drink in the moments. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I want to be present and I just really sort of make my own mental pictures <laughs> as I'm going along and, and mm-hmm. try to really enjoy the experiences. So that's my goal for this trip, just to enjoy the experiences, but get a little better at the picture taking too. Well, these days with our iPhones and social media, it's easy to get lost in that where you're, and I went through that phase where I was so busy taking a photo of it or videoing it that I totally missed it. So the last year I've been really dialing back from that and focusing on staying present. And because of that, I have missed a lot of photo ops where I think, oh, did anyone get a picture of that? Or... So I think there is that balance, stay present, but also document. And here's something else that before my photo would be, I'd have to take so many, you know, because I would want it to look a certain way. Now, I don't care. Well, I don't care if my mouth is open or if my... (laughs) 
you know, my hair is a mess or my, I don't have on makeup because now the documentation of it is just a snapshot of that time so that you have more than just a memory when yeah. you want to look back on that. So yeah, good for you. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to miss you while you're gone. I but, know. I'll, um, miss, I'll miss you too. And I'll miss Hawaii, obviously. Like there's okay. something about it here. You know, we talk about it all the time. I love being here. But when we go to the mainland, we usually do this like two to three weeks uh, because okay. it's expensive to fly there. And then we have family all over the place. So if you're going to go, you might as well pay to fly in between the cities versus flying back and forth multiple times per year to each individual city. So yeah, we're just doing that roundabout, like from here to Boston, okay. Boston to Orlando, Orlando to uh, Pensacola, Pensacola to Atlanta, Atlanta to here, all those flights. And then we'll drive around between Massachusetts and Rhode Island. I don't think I've gone on a three week. I usually keep it between like five to 10 days max because then I start to get grouchy. And yeah, this is actually three weeks and two days, but we did Uh this uh, in the summer too. But mm-hmm. I think it was like two and a half weeks. Yeah, you have a lot of ground to cover and a lot of people to see. Mm-hmm, yeah. But the good thing is, I don't know about you, but I actually really enjoy even the process of traveling. Like I love mm-hmm. flying. I think it's incredibly mm-hmm. relaxing. Me too. I mean, when else can you sit down in a seat and watch like movies or sleep? I love traveling. I like to get a little cocktail, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and when we get up in the air and just I yes. enjoy it. I enjoy the time traveling and I, I think enjoy it's... layovers. I like being in airport. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, you know, the only part of travel I don't like is TSA. Other than that, I totally love the process of traveling. So I'm really looking forward to it. I love traveling. We have to do a trip together. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I love St. Croix or American Samoa. We talked about that. Yes, we do. Because I do. I just realized now that I'm not carting four kids with me. Yeah. Another thing I just want to update you on is, you know, Mm -hmm. you and I have been talking about the wellness journey individually. And I told you last week that I admit that I kind of had gotten out of my yoga practice for a while there, just life had gotten really busy. And in the process of what we discussed last week about the intentional actions we can take, I am happy to report that I have indeed incorporated my yoga back into my morning routine. So I am again starting my mornings on my own terms. It feels so good to get that morning practice back into my morning routine. And Mm -hmm. so I'm hoping to be able to, I probably will fall out of it a little bit as we're traveling. But Mm -hmm. when I get back full steam ahead with my yoga. Yay. (laughs) And you know what? It's the intention and then action that aligns and just giving yourself the grace when you go on vacation that you may or may not, but it is there. You will try. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yep. Oh, that's good news. I love that. So with that, it's the perfect time to begin to build the platform with this week's Mindful Minute. Our Mindful Minute is when we pause and take a moment of gratitude for something we are thankful for. Whether we are having a great week or a week full of challenges, taking the time to be mindful of something we are grateful for allows us to focus on the good in our lives and forge pathways to positivity. Well, this week, my Mindful Minute is I do have, you know, I've talked about this before, a lot going on, but I am getting ready to travel. So I'm trying to compartmentalize a little bit. And in the process of that, I was thinking, I am so thankful for, I know this is so random, but it's what came to mind for just advancements in technology that allow us these experiences of like, 
traveling long distances or doing videos on YouTube for yoga videos or FaceTiming with family and friends. And the reason I was thinking this is because I'm really not sure, I'm being honest, if my sister's going to make it until I get there okay. to Pensacola. I'm hope I'm hopeful, but if her time passes before I arrive there, then I'm so thankful for the ability to have the, these little short FaceTime interactions with okay. her. I know she's not present and aware in terms of the way she used to be just because of her dementia, but had I not had this opportunity, I would have felt incredibly disconnected. And I was thinking back to, you know, the early days with deployments and all of that, when there was no ability to FaceTime or video no. chat or anything. So my mindful minute, I'm just so thankful for these continual advancements in technology that allow us all of these experiences and opportunities to communicate with our family members and then to grow and learn as individuals, like even something as simple as a YouTube video to get your yoga on in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I think we have lived so that we can actually appreciate what it used to be like before. Yeah, for I mean, sure. When, yes, I love that I can talk to my kids on FaceTime when I went off to college and I was from American Samoa. So it was $2 a minute. Oh to my call goodness. home. Yeah. I mean, it kind of worked in my favor back then. <laughs> yeah. I was doing a whole bunch of things that my parents didn't. You know, wouldn't have wanted me to be there. They they had no idea where I was when I when I called them. So, I think that's a great mindful minute. My mindful minute for this week is going to be uh, speaking on the change in uh, our plans for the direction that our graduation Las Vegas vacation. That's actually going to be our vacation as a family because my youngest daughter um, is not coming home this summer. My mm -hmm. son is obviously graduating from college, so he won't he'll come home for a little bit and then be on his merry way yeah. to do whatever it is he's going to do after college, wherever life takes him. And he'll be on that journey. And then my two older daughters also are fully engulfed in their own lives. We all have different time frames. So this, I'm, I'm getting closer and closer to the end of that era where we all get together, at least for somebody's graduation. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, and everyone can be there. So I'm really excited and happy that we're going to have this experience together. At this time, we'd like to pause so that you too can contemplate something you are grateful for, your own mindful minute. Today, we are going to dive into part two of a three-part series that examines the question, what would my life look like if I actually chose happiness? Last week, we defined the word happiness as we understand it for the purpose of this series. Then we explored the difference between happiness and contentedness, happiness and pleasure, and happiness and joy. Finally, we illuminated some intentional actions we can take to choose happiness in our own lives as we explore pathways to positivity. If you haven't had a chance to listen to last week, please take a few moments to listen to last week's Choosing Happiness episode. But today, we are excited to explore the personal story of our guest and discover how she has asked and then answered for herself the question, what would my life look like if I actually chose happiness? So with that, 
Let's further build the platform with today's moving moment. Our moving moment is always an inspirational quote that ties into the theme of the day. Today's moving moment quote is by the Dalai Lama, who is the highest spiritual leader and head of the country of Tibet. And I quote, happiness is not something ready-made. It comes from your own actions. So let's get ready to hop on the platform and dive further into the topic of happiness. Today's guest is someone who has consciously and repeatedly asked herself the question, what would my life look like if I chose happiness? We asked her to share her story in hopes that her journey will inspire others to do the same. All right. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Absolutely. My name is Taylor Jessup. I am from American Samoa, but I currently live in Provo, Utah. I graduated from Brigham Young University a couple of months ago, and I'm actually going to be moving to Hawaii in the fall for law school at UH Manoa. So I'm really excited about Ooh, that. You know how we feel about Oahu. <laughs> yes, exactly. And we're excited to be able to have you move back to the island. And I know your journey ahead is going to be so rewarding. And we just thank you so much for being here today to share your story. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Oh, well, I'm sure you're also going to be happy that it is 78 degrees here. Is it cold where you are right now? Oh, I cannot wait to get back to that kind of weather. It's super cold here. It's probably about 30 or below 30. Oh, my goodness. Um, oh. I do. I love to snowboard. My fiance and I love snowboarding. Um, But once we're done, I'm also done with the snow and the yeah. cold. <laughs> I like that too. I was raised in California. So I have that drive to where it's super cold, get in a car and then drive back to a pair of shorts. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just as a coincidental side note, my daughter is actually in Utah right now. My daughter, Bella, she's on oh. spring break. She goes to uh, UCF, University of Central Florida, and she's on spring break and she's spending the week in Utah with my former nanny who lives in Utah. She's a younger girl too. And they're just having a great time. She's like snowshoeing and tubing oh. and horseback riding in the snow, but it's freezing there. <laughs> horseback riding in the snow? Yes. Horseback riding in the snow. She lives in Park City. Oh, yes. Oh, so, yes. That's, oh, yes. <laughs> so, Taylor, thank you so much for being here. And I'm just going to start out by asking you Are you happy now? Yes, I am the happiest I've ever been. And this is very subjective, I think. But how do you define happiness for yourself? I'm just curious. Like, you are happy now, which is amazing. That's what this podcast is all about. How do you define happiness for yourself? My definition of happiness, I feel has changed throughout the years, especially as I've gotten old. But right now, for me, happiness is just loving who you are as a person and being yeah. able to be comfortable with that and also being able to share that with other people. Last week, we just kind of were really discovering our definition of happiness. And it's very in line with that. And it has to do with yourself, your thoughts, your actions, and 
all, all of that being in alignment so that you are able to exist in a space of harmony. And then when you can share that with others, that's just an extension of that happiness. So I love your definition for yourself, and I'm glad to hear that you're happy. So now that we've established that you are indeed happy, uh, according to your definition, which I love, would you just share a little bit about your journey that caused you to question, am I happy? Yeah. So for me, happiness used to be this checklist, right? I grew up in a super loving home with parents who taught me to be really goal-oriented. And so for me, for a large part of my life, happiness was me checking off that checklist. Okay, uh, going to college. Okay, getting a job, X, Y, Z. And so in my head, completing that checklist is what was going to get me happiness. It wasn't until recently where I felt like I was almost done with that checklist, done checking everything off. And I really had to dig deep and ask myself, okay, am I really happy because I'm doing these things? Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm talking about this checklist, you know, it it should, it did bring me a lot of happiness, right? To be able to go to college, to get a job that I wanted, to go to law school, like those things make me really happy. But it was that question of, am I happy? Like, am I really, truly happy with these things? And it was hard to realize that I I wasn't, something was missing. And so you checked off all those things on your list and you you thought, oh, okay, well, I have all the security that that brought me, you know, and that's, I think parents push that so that you can have that. But when you sit there's something missing, right? Or there, you should be, did you feel like I should be feeling different? (laughs) Or is this what happiness feels like? That doesn't seem right. There's got to be more. Yeah. I felt lonely in a way, Mm. not just because, you know, I wasn't dating anybody at the time, but like, I felt lonely because I didn't really know myself. Mm. That makes sense. Uh So tell me about how you started that journey to know more about yourself and what did you discover along the way? Well, it's kind of multifaceted, but I'll try and keep it brief. (laughs) Um, You know, it's something that I knew for a really long time uh, with, I am a proud queer woman, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's Mm -hmm. something that isn't readily accepted in the Polynesian culture. Mm-hmm. And it's also not very readily accepted in religion. And um, at BYU, it is full with students who are of the LDS faith. And so I think that's also what contributed to me focusing on this checklist of happiness, uh, is what I'll call it, is because I was not really ready to confront who I am. And so I thought, okay, if I can just check all of these things off, I will get happiness. I will be okay. I will be able to live without that part of me. But that wasn't, it's not true. (laughs) So it was hard to, to realize that, you know, and I was also in denial for a really long time about some mental health struggles that I was having. Um, I was in, I was active duty in the military for three years. I spent three years at the U.S. Military Academy. Um, at West Point. And by the time I left, I had severe 
trauma. And so it was around the same time where I was trying to figure out, okay, am I happy? Okay, what like what even is my sexual orientation? Am I straight? Am I bi? Am I gay? But also I just gotten diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So it was a bunch of different mm-hmm. things happening all at once. And I was in my second to last semester of my undergrad. So it's just like mm-hmm. a ton of different things. And I felt really overwhelmed, but everything started to settle down really when that first acceptance of who I am came to be right so just sitting down and saying okay i do have this disorder uh how do i deal with it how do i go about this and so it's obviously none of this happened overnight but it was a series of taking those small steps and those small acceptances that allowed me to get the proper help that i needed but also to give me the security that i didn't even know i needed the security that i needed as a queer Polynesian woman to be like, okay, this is who I am. And this is who I love. Wow. I'm taking a moment here because everything that you've said so far is so powerful. And in my mind, I'm already dissecting it because it's multifaceted. I take the idea first of you being a queer Polynesian woman, and that is who you are. That's part of your identity. And to have to deny that, I mean, we just did a series on identity, And to have to not deny that, but struggle or grapple with how that fit in with perhaps your culture or the environment that you were existing in as a student at BYU. That's an identity crisis in and of itself. So for you to recognize that and be living and existing in a space where you knew you had to be true to yourself to be able to get on that pathway toward finding your happiness... I'm just in awe of that segment right there. Mm -hmm. I mean, that to me, because you can't be in a space where you're denying your identity, who you are, and then be happy. You have to be in the space of who I am and living as who you are in its entirety in order to seek happiness. So do you want to expand on that a little bit? Like, how did you even begin to come to a space where you could live out who you are authentically to be able to begin pursuing true happiness for yourself? Well, it came to the point in my life where I just felt like I was on autopilot all the time, just doing the things I was supposed Mm -hmm. to be doing, all the things that I knew would keep me safe. But it happened on campus at BYU where I was confiding in another professor And he just so happened to have a podcast of his very own that focused on the LGBTQ perspective within the LDS community. Oh, And as soon as he told me about this podcast, I got really nervous and I wanted to leave his office because I knew exactly what he was going to ask me. And he asked me to be on it. So that was the real first step in acceptance of my sexual identity it was to be on that podcast. And Mm -hmm. at first it started as me coming on and just, okay, here's what I've been through. Here's my story. Here's what I've learned. But that whole experience for me was healing in a way, just to be able to speak. It it felt like I was just speaking into a void, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody was really listening, but 
there are so many people in Utah alone that are just struggling with who they are, with their own sexual identity. And a lot of that is multifaceted, again, with religion, with family, with different social constructs that we've all grown up with. But to be able to provide that comfort to somebody else who is struggling in the same way that I was is what made me realize, okay, this is something that I want to do. I want to love who I am and I want to help other people love themselves. One of the things that we've talked about on our podcast is through the sharing of your stories, you do find healing and confidence to live out who you are more fully in light of your past experiences. I love that it was on a podcast that you first found that step toward healing. That's so providential that you happen to be in that professor's office and he happened to be doing a podcast that was so relevant to who you are and your identity. Yeah, it was a true blessing in disguise. I'm stunned because there's, because in the pain that you had, Taylor, for so long of something not aligning, you can never, ever, ever be truly happy if you have to deny any part of who you are. You need to be able to own every part of who you are in order to truly be happy. I think it's just so frustrating to be in the situation sometimes when things like religion or things like politics come up. You know, you would think that if we're all raised to believe in one God and that we should love everybody, why is sexual orientation such a big deal then? Shouldn't we just love everybody regardless? We are all imperfect. But once you embrace that and love yourself enough to choose happiness repeatedly over and over. And it's a process. It's never, once you get to this, well, then now I can look in this area that doesn't make me happy. The other piece that I pulled out of what you've shared with us already is the idea of struggling with a mental or emotional health diagnosis. That in and of itself is part of who you are. And there's no shame. There's actually power and strength in acknowledging that you are struggling in a particular area and need some help there and owning that as part of who you are as well. There's so much, and thank God we are changing in this, but in the past, there has been so much shame surrounding mental health struggles. But You know, nobody shames somebody because they have a hip replacement, right? Like, why are we shaming people who have emotional or mental health challenges that need appropriate diagnoses and appropriate treatments? That's part of who you are as well. And being able to step in that space of awareness only serves to allow you to move forward in a space of happiness, So I love that too. Was that also just a huge challenge to get to that point? Or were you just... And maybe your generation is different. Remember, Evelyn and I are in our 50s, but in art, you know, when we were younger, that just there was so much shame surrounding it. Uh-huh. But now, thank God, that is changing. But tell me about that aspect of it. Yeah, I'm also very grateful that this whole uh, atmosphere is changing around mental health. I think, despite me being in a younger generation, I think that's kind of overshadowed by also being immersed within the Polynesian community. Right. Uh Because putting generational differences aside, cultural differences are still a very huge thing. And Uh so I grew up feeling like 
things like anxiety or depression mm-hmm. or just their weaknesses. They're things that you can go to church for, or mm-hmm. you're just not getting enough sleep, which sometimes is the case medically, but you get yeah. where I'm going. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it was really hard for me to come to accept that I have this serious mental disorder. And so being able to acknowledge that within myself was hard enough. But once I was willing to accept help from professionals, that's where I started to see real changes, you know, and even to this Mm -hmm. day, I get backlash about medications that I choose to take, you know, and everything. I think that's something that a lot of people still don't understand that if you're diagnosed with something, it doesn't mean, okay, now you have to take medication. Mm-hmm. It's all mm-hmm. dependent on you and your own journey. And just like you get to decide what your life looks like, you also get to decide how your medical treatment gets taken care of. And so mm-hmm. for me, that looks like being on a steady dose of medication. That's mm-hmm. what helps me. And in turn, that helps me function at my best and it helps me feel happy, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm taking care of those things. Yeah. We talked about last week, one of the intentional actions that we can take to begin choosing happiness in our own lives. One of them has to do with physical wellness and Mm -hmm. physical wellness isn't just about working out or eating healthy. It's about Mm -hmm. taking care of our minds too, and our, our mental and emotional health. So that is an important step toward choosing Mm -hmm. happiness is being aware, getting the appropriate treatment needed so that our minds and bodies are their healthiness. Only then can we truly be in a space to fully pursue happiness for ourselves. You know what? Our emotional and mental health, again, the example that you set before, why there's no judgment behind people taking blood pressure medication. (laughs) So to have that judgment or anyone other than yourself have any say in the medications that you choose to put you in a space to move forward in a healthy and not just healthy, you know, I'm all about better than fine. You know, who wants to just be fine? Yeah, it was a huge struggle. you know, how I wanted my mental health to progress. And it took a lot of experimenting. I initially was very against the idea of medication. So I tried a more holistic approach that didn't seem to work for me. So then I transitioned slowly uh, into a medical or a a medicated approach. Um, And that's really, really helped. And I think, and one thing that was really helpful for me when it came to my family and friends who also have different kinds of mental health struggles is just realizing, you know, the whole point of your awesome podcast is to accept that everybody has their own story. Everybody has their own journey. And so when people confide in you, when people are just telling you about their struggles, they're not asking for advice, you know, they're not asking Mm -hmm. you to tell them what to do with their medications or how they choose to deal with their own mental health disorders. They're looking for somebody to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I found a lot of power in that and just being able to provide a listening ear for people mm-hmm. who need it. Okay. You clearly are happy, as we've said in the beginning, but you had to go through that journey of taking intentional actions to choose happiness for yourself. The first step, obviously, was being able to own your identity in its entirety. But what other steps did you have to take to begin 
to choose happiness outside of that prescriptive mode of checking the boxes? What other steps did you take to choose happiness in your life? For me, what that really looked like was right after I was able to come to terms with who I am and with who I love, it it happened day by day and baby step by baby step, right? I started by choosing myself in terms of going on dates with other women. And it sort of progressed from there. But And this might be more of a generational thing nowadays. But for me, the biggest step that I took was putting it on social media. Yeah. Right? Like, uh-huh. This is who I am. And putting any part of your life on public display is a huge step for anybody. And I think for me, that was a big part of like, okay, when I do this, there's no more hiding. You know, I can't just deny who I am in order to fit in with certain crowds. You know, this is who I am and everybody's going to like it or not. And it is what it is. And so it came um, onto my social media after I'd done the podcast and I posted that episode and I was like, hey, just letting everybody know this is who I am. This is me and I'm happy with it. And I would say that was the biggest intentional step that I, that I've made in order to feel true happiness. And every day I'm still making those intentional steps and taking intentional actions. And that comes in different waves, depending on the day, right? Taking care of my mental health by taking my medications or being able to sit down and really evaluate my day every day and being like, okay, what's something that I've done today that didn't really help me feel fulfilled? And how that's that a great question. That's a great daily question. Yeah. So that was pretty much the biggest thing that I've done so far. And that's one, an example of one tiny thing that I do every day is being able to take an inventory of everything that I've done in my day, all the people I interacted with and being able to say like, okay, did this action or did this person really contribute to my overall happiness or my overall well-being? Happiness really isn't dependent on others, but we have the power to choose to bring people into our lives or to limit our interactions with others or to, unfortunately, at times, if it's too toxic, remove people from our lives in order to continue our own journeys of happiness. So even though it's not dependent on others, we interact with others every single day. So how we approach those interactions or our relationships does impact our happiness. That's a great uh, intentional action, really Mm -hmm. examining how was my interaction, my conversation, my dialogue, my um, overall, the feeling that I have when I'm around this particular person. Mm -hmm. Is this contributing to my ability to move forward in happiness or is this somehow detracting? And you're right. You don't get your happiness from other people, or at least you shouldn't, because I don't think that's genuine, really. But people can affect your happiness. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Evaluating those types of relationships uh, comes into play. Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer of protecting your energy also. I think it's all about protecting your energy and it isn't, and it's a way of self-love and choosing happiness. Okay. So Taylor, Did you come to any other self-realizations on your journey in choosing happiness? The biggest one for me is looking back and realizing that the way I was living just wasn't 
true happiness. I never felt true happiness up until this point, you know, which for me was a really powerful thing to realize because now I can actually go through those intentional actions to evaluate my happiness and know exactly how I should be feeling. Because even though I was happy while I was checking off my goals on my checklist, right? It wasn't genuine, true happiness. I didn't know what that felt like until now. I was wondering in discovering these things about yourself, because we were just, because we were just talking about nobody else can make you happy or bring you happiness. I do understand by embracing parts of yourselves that you have come to accept, it does involve other people wanting them to accept you as well. And there had to be some difficulty in that just because we were talking about culture and religion and you had to still embrace yourself coming out on the podcast, letting people know this is who you are with the risk of disappointing people that are very dear or love you. I mean, has that played, was that a challenge or something you had to accept? And how did you love yourself enough to still move forward knowing that that would be a possibility that you could lose or disappoint people um, in a way that they wouldn't expect from you because you were a overachiever and did every all checked all those boxes, you know, first off the biggest relationship that was strained when I decided to come out and publicly accept who I was, was with my parents that was the most difficult thing for me was to communicate with them as much as you would like my life to look a certain way. You're not living my life at the end of the day, Uh or I'm the one who's going to have to live with who I am. You know, that's a relationship. One of the many relationships that I'm still working on since coming to accept my true happiness. But the difference with that, uh, doing this big thing now, accepting who I am and trying to work with these relationships is that I get to choose now, you know, I get to evaluate where these people fall in my life and whether Mm -hmm. they're really contributing to that happiness. And it looks quite often like how you described it, Evelyn, like not cutting them off, but just putting them in a category like, okay, here is the type of level of conversation that I'm willing to have with you before it starts to interfere with my own energy. And your own happiness. So that's kind of one of the challenges in living authentically who you are, which is essential to being happy. So have you faced any other challenges or obstacles along the way as you've come more fully into who you are to allow yourself to choose happiness for your life? Absolutely. Uh, I think it goes without saying that being a queer colored woman in Provo, Utah is not a very <laughs> safe space to be. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. And I already felt like an outsider during my undergrad. You know, I was always the only brown kid in the room. People assumed that I didn't speak English just by looking at me. And it just that with my sexual orientation, it made me feel unsafe and it still does sometimes just being ostracized by friends that I had when going to church, you know, and they realized that, oh, she lives her life a different way than we do. 
and just having those relationships drift off or end horribly, you know, those have all been really hard things for me to experience and for me to to realize. I mean, I guess I knew things like this would happen when I came out, but it doesn't make it any easier when it actually happens. Well, yeah, because knowing and living it are two different things. You can prepare yourself in a sense by understanding that this might come your way. And yet, until you actually live it, the emotional impact, you, you can't prepare yourself, I don't think, for that necessarily. You know, it's it's a hard journey. Um, I'm not a queer Polynesian woman, but I'm a biracial woman who grew up in the 70s in a predominantly white area. So I know that feeling of ostracization. Um, I recognize what it means to be the only brown girl in a room. And then I also understand the impact it has on one emotionally to feel oftentimes alone. So I really imagine that you choosing to be your authentic self in order to choose happiness hasn't come without difficulty. Absolutely. I think going through all of this and still experiencing it, it's made me, I'm so much more passionate about telling my story and listening to the stories of other people because the more we're able to share it, the more familiar people are going to be with everybody who's different from them. Thank you. Normalizing. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. I I interrupted. I was like, I I want, well, I wanted to do like a amen. (laughs) But I was like, yes, normalizing that people are different, period. (laughs) Well, yeah, nothing else needs to be said. People are different. And I don't, I use the word people are unique. We all have our own journeys. We're not the same. And we're just, but we are all human. And there's, there's, community in that if we could just let go of all of the other shit surrounding Mm -hmm. it like there's community in the fact that we are all humans and our own uniqueness about us is just that unique it's what makes us individual and we should always feel freed up and empowered to be who it is that we are as unique individuals without judgment and without Without yes, judgment. without judgment. That's what makes us beautiful, right? I mean, yes. who wants a whole bunch of Evelyns all over? <laughs> I mean, it, it, and I'm laughing, but I don't think it's funny. I think it is a whole point. Point in this journey on Earth is to appreciate everyone being different. You know, and I just think there's so much beauty in that. And I don't understand why there has to be so much judgment and fear because it is all fear based. All of it is, you know. Absolutely. So obviously in your environment, you've experienced, let's just call it what it is, discriminatory behavior from others. What other challenges, and obviously you mentioned also the difficulty with your uh, cultural heritage and what that brings to you being able to live fully and authentically who you are, but you've still made the decision to continue on your personal journey toward happiness. Have you faced other challenges? Have there been any other, um, even with your mental health diagnosis, anything else? 
Uh, one more thing I'll share in regards to uh, my sexual orientation is that I'm happily engaged now, as I kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name is Katie, and she's amazing. I think the biggest struggle so far is just, again, all comes down to fear. Like when we're outside, like, I don't know, is it safe to hold her hand? You know, is it Mm. comes like that balance of like, I want to be authentically true to myself. Does that involve possibly putting us in danger? Mm. You know? And yeah. that realization where it's like, you can be authentically true to yourself, but doesn't mean you have to go into the middle of a mob against gay rights and hold hands with your wife, you know? it. And yet just, you should have the freedom in this country to do that. You should no, have the freedom absolutely. to absolutely do that. And you do, and you shouldn't have it at the risk of being, you know, of your physical safety. But unfortunately... That yeah, is sadly, indeed, I, and sadly, a consideration. It is indeed a consideration. Sure. I think back to my parents having gotten married in 1969, still in the civil rights era, and you've got this is just after. Well, it's still the civil That's rights era, and yeah, you've got a a black man and a white woman, and they feared for their safety in much the same way. And my hope is that as time progresses that we would all in every area of the country, you know, we can go to metropolitan areas where you would probably feel a little bit more safe, like in LA or New York City, San Francisco. you know, San Francisco. But at the end of the day, shouldn't that be the case every single place in our country, in the world, where anybody, no matter their color, their their skin color, their their religion, their cultural heritage, their sexual orientation should feel safe and shouldn't have to worry about things like holding your partner's hand in public. But that fear is a very real fear. And that, I'll be honest, that's so heartbreaking for me that it is indeed still a consideration. It's heartbreaking for me in in 2023. Yeah. And that's the craziest thing. It is 2023. Yeah. I say that to Katie all the time. It is 2023. What are we doing? What are these people doing? We're going on a cruise this week, and I find myself like online, like researching is this place like safe for gay people? You know, like mm-hmm. it's just it's ridiculous that people even have to do that. But I think it all comes down to what you and Evelyn are both doing, allowing a platform and positivity platform <laughs> to allow people to share their stories to get themselves out there. And so I think you two are doing an amazing job because I don't think anything's going to change without things like this. Taylor, I just want to ask you another question. How do you plan to continue to forge pathways to positivity in your own life by choosing happiness? That's a beautiful question. I think I purposely and intentionally seek out opportunities in order to spread that positivity. Because I think positivity is, it's like teaching, right? When you're teaching something that you're comfortable with, you end up learning as you go along and you end up mastering that thing. Mm-hmm. And so something that I'm doing today is actively looking for different groups, different platforms to join, different people to interact with, to be able mm-hmm. to build that platform of happiness, of positivity. And I think there's a lot of strength in that. 
And I think something like that is really undervalued. And to anybody who's looking for ways to build their own happiness or to help them be more intentional, I think that would be the best thing to do is seek out other people who are wanting the same things. Mm -hmm. As just a little public service announcement, it is so important for every single one of us to be willing to speak out and tell your story and share with others and be vulnerable because it is through all of us teaching and learning Mm -hmm. that we will create this space where we can all feel freed up to choose happiness, whoever we are. I might not be a queer Polynesian woman, but I want to be able to do anything I can to make it so that a queer Polynesian woman on her pathway to positivity feels 100% freed up to live in a space where they are safe and can authentically be who they are without fear of any kind of discriminatory retaliation or behaviors against them. I don't have to be you to feel you. And so I am so, so, so thankful that you shared this. Like I am, it's, I'm just very moved right now personally. My hope is that we can all speak out in our own paths, you know, in our own journeys so that everybody has the potential to live authentically who they are and choose happiness for themselves. And I'm so grateful for you to share your story because there's something else that's very important in the sharing of these stories is that it is presented through the lens of positivity. I really appreciate your vulnerability, being able to come on here and speak in such a, you're very eloquent and your energy is beautiful. And I love what we're doing here. And well, again, Taylor, as Evelyn just said, thank you for your vulnerability. But more than that, thank you for your inspirational story, because Mm -hmm. it is an inspirational story of choosing happiness. I am so excited to be able to get this out to our listeners. And I really, really, really want to just support you and encourage you as you continue on your next step at UH Manoa Law School. And I expect um, amazing things uh, in your future. So with that, Taylor and Evelyn, (laughs) it is time for us to ease off the platform with this week's Better Than Fine practice. The Better Than Flying practice is a weekly takeaway, a practice that will allow you to take steps to forge pathways to positivity in your own life. This week's Better Than Flying practice is a morning and bedtime reflection with intention. Taylor had talked about how she started to get into asking herself, how did people impact her or how did she allow others to impact her or not? Yeah. Yes, I loved when she said that. Mm -hmm. So this is along those lines, and it's use the morning to set an intention to choose happiness. And then again, at bedtime, go over your day and reflect. In what ways did you choose happiness? What ways did you feel like you were compromising? Always give yourself grace and compassion to examine why you did or did not choose happiness. Release anything that you do not need before you go to sleep. Then when you wake up, you set an intention for the day again. And this is a great way to connect with your idea of what makes you happy, but also putting happiness at the forefront of your mind and your day. 
Thank you so much, Evelyn, for sharing that practice. I'm looking forward to implementing it in my own life this week. So today, we've examined Taylor's story and learned that happiness is indeed a product of one's own actions and choices. Next week, we're going to explore another story that highlights a transformation in a woman's life, a woman who chose to follow her own pathway to positivity in response to the question, what would my life look like if I actually chose happiness? So thank you for listening, and please join us next week for another episode of The Positivity Platform. If you enjoyed listening to this week's episode of The Positivity Platform, please follow us on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or iHeartRadio to receive updates and alerts when new episodes are released. And please leave us a comment on our social media, Positivity.Platform on Facebook and Instagram, and The Positivity Platform on Twitter at PosPod2022. Thank you for joining us on the Positivity Platform.